I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on property taxes. Individuals and businesses are subject to taxes other than income tax. In today's episode, we welcome Jane Bowman, a Minnesota tax court judge, to discuss property taxes. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. So I thought we'd do something different today. Okay. We frequently mention my... Um, let's say affinity for teen dramas. Yes. So I thought we should devote an entire episode to my favorite teen drama. Oh no. Beverly Hills 90210. And so today I decided that we are gonna talk about one of my most treasured episodes back in the high life again. Nope, nope, not even remotely. We're not gonna be doing that at all. And if you're not careful, I'm gonna take away your topic selection privileges. Are you seriously, like seriously, going to tell me that you're not even the least bit curious about what my favorite episode of my favorite teen drama is about? Not even a little. I'm all for mixing things up a bit and taking a break from income taxes, but um, let's use the opportunity to do something useful, like talk about property taxes. Okay, so maybe you don't fully understand that this is the episode where Dylan finally chooses whether he wants to date Kelly or Brenda. And listeners, apparently I'm going to be choosing a new podcast co-host soon. No! So, moving on. Property taxes. Many state and local governments collect taxes on real property. The tax liability depends on the assessed value of the property and the property tax rate. Um, So just in case it matters, I want to mention that it's also the episode where Andrea dyes her hair and where Brandon's gambling problem really, really starts to heat up. So it's going to be really fun for me to do this entire episode by myself. Thanks for that. It's your choice. (laughs) I'm doing the right thing for our listeners, I think, here. Questionable. So property taxes are not a large source of tax revenue for state governments. According to Statista, property taxes were only 1.8% of all state tax revenues in 2020. Um, Question for my lovely co-host. Do you think you're ready to join us back in tax land? I just want to say that Dylan does wind up choosing Kelly. I don't want to leave our listeners in suspense, in the lurch. Okay. Yep. Got it. Apparently you're not ready, so I'll just keep going. Although property taxes are not a large source of state revenue, they do comprise a substantial portion of local revenue, so local jurisdictions within states. That's right. And I was personally surprised to learn that Texas, which is a state I think many people associate with high property taxes, doesn't actually have a state property tax. All of the property tax that you Texas residents pay goes directly to the local government. Oh, hi. Hi. Nice to have you here. Glad, glad, Glad you're back. Okay, begrudgingly. I'm back begrudgingly. If you're not going to let me talk about 90210, fine, we can talk about taxes. Proceed. Another important aspect of the property tax system is that not every property is subject to tax. Some properties are exempt. Examples would be those that are owned for certain nonprofit or religious activities. Um, Also, some senior citizens, veterans, and low-income individuals might also qualify for exemptions or reduced property tax rates. Yeah, like a cemetery turned golf course in New Jersey. That's a story for another day. Okay. Let's instead talk a bit about how those property values are assessed. I'm going to turn it over to you because that's a topic that was not really ever covered on 90210. (laughs) 
Okay. You could argue that they touched on it a bit during the Balboa wetlands plotline on the OC. Okay, okay. Yep. Nope. Just going to cut you off right there. I can take this one. All good. Broadly speaking, there are three ways to appraise a property's value. And I really do appreciate it when things come in threes. You just like list in general. I do. I do. No, no argument there. The first approach is the cost approach. That assumes that potential buyers will pay no more for a property than it would cost them to purchase an equally desirable parcel of vacant land and then improve it themselves. So the property's value is the land plus the cost of any improvements, less any depreciation. So let's say, for example, that we are trying to assess the value of 1675 East Altadena Drive, which, in case you're curious, was used as the exterior of the house where the Walshes lived on Beverly Hills 90210. You need help. I do. Again, no argument from me. The cost approach would start with the price of an equally desirable 0.37 acre piece of land and add the cost to build a four-bedroom, four-bathroom house. Then we'd subtract the accumulated depreciation on the actual Altadena property because it's not brand new. It was built in 1928 and has seen some wear and tear. Just how much time did you spend on Zillow looking at this property? It didn't take that long. The internet is amazing. I got there quickly. (sighs) The second approach is the sales comparison approach, which assumes that potential buyers are going to pay no more for a property than it would cost them to purchase an equally desirable property at the existing market price. The third approach is the income approach. That approach assumes that potential buyers will pay no more for a property than it would cost them to purchase an equally desirable substitute investment with the same risk in return. So in this case, the property is considered an investment and its value is based off of the rent it's going to produce for the owner. All right. So we've outlined the three approaches. It seems like assessments can be a little bit more complicated than I would have thought. Like this is a little bit more of an art than a science. Yeah. So- Question for you, what happens if you as the taxpayer, the property owner, disagrees with the assessment of your property? That is just one of the many questions we have for our guests today. I am excited. Today, we welcome Chief Judge Jane Bowman from the Minnesota Tax Court. Judge Bowman was appointed to the court in 2020. She earned her BA from McAllister College in St. Paul and a JD from William Mitchell College of Law also in St. Paul. She has worked for the Minnesota State Senate as a legislative assistant and also at the Housing Preservation Project, where she created innovative legal strategies to address the foreclosure crisis and help keep homeowners in their homes. So Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about what you do. So I currently serve as a tax judge um, in the state of Minnesota, and there are three full-time tax court judges in Minnesota, and we hear uh, all tax matters in the state, um, which break down into two categories. The first one being property tax appeals, Um, And these are appeals from property owners, um, usually alleging that the property was overvalued, Mm. uh, sometimes unequally assessed. The second type of appeals we hear are appeals from orders of the Minnesota Commissioner of Revenue, um, which have nothing to do with property taxes. Of those property tax appeals, do you have any sense for the mix between individuals and businesses? Certainly um, more businesses appeal their um, taxes with a residential property. In Minnesota right now, I think the average is 
probably around two seventy five, three hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you appeal that, any reduction in value that you're going to get might be ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the tax based on that value reduction probably won't even cover your filing fee. Okay. Wow. But if you own a mall that's a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. and you get a ten percent reduction, then we're talking about a ten million dollar value reduction, and the tax based on that. Malls are taxed at a higher rate than residential properties in Minnesota. Mm. So you're you're talking about some real money at that. Okay, that makes sense. So property taxes have been on people's minds a lot. The assessments seem to be going up quite a bit. Um, Do you expect to see an increase in the number of appeals that you'll be seeing? It's a fantastic question because generally speaking, we're taxed based on a percentage of the value. Um, and so if the value goes up, the taxes go up. Mm-hmm. And the tricky part is that when values really do go up, that's reflected in the assessment. There may be taxpayers out there who are generally upset about the the tax that they're paying and the, the burden that they have. But if you don't disagree with the value, you don't really have a case. Can you talk a little bit about why property taxes from a sort of theoretical perspective are maybe a good or, or a bad thing for jurisdictions to use as a tax base? Yeah, sure. So there's lots of arguments for, and there's lots of arguments against property taxes. Um, but you know, one thing to keep in mind is that uh, some constitutional history gives property taxes in the United States to state and local governments. So we don't pay property taxes to the federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the argument in support of property taxes If you have a property tax that's effectively managed and administrated, um, you can actually increase property values. So if you have taxes that are spent really efficiently on public schools and public safety, roads and maintenance, Mm -hmm. your community becomes a desirable community to live and people will pay more for your house or your business. Mm -hmm. And you may see a big return in your investment, if you will, if you sell. Uh, You also have pretty generally visible and transparent real Mm -hmm. estate taxes. You can't hide generally your land. You can't generally hide your real estate. Right. Uh, Like you can hide other taxable assets. Every year, people get a property tax bill and it hopefully, usually, clearly tells you what your value is, what your anticipated tax is. And I know for my my notice every year, I get this um, really helpful pie chart about where that money goes. Oh, wow. So uh, it can be a nice way for taxpayers to understand exactly how their money is being spent. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's generally no burden on the taxpayer, as in you don't have to go and ask to be assessed or you don't have to submit an appraisal. The assessing office does it for you as opposed to like filing individual tax returns on an annual basis. So it makes it a little bit easier. So I I love this. You're definitely speaking some language of good tax policy, right? It's convenient. For sure. um, It's transparent. You know, it's not easy easy to avoid. Mm -hmm. Are there any arguments sort of against property taxes? One argument is that property taxes can be badly or unfairly administered. Okay. For example, there there was a time in Minnesota where assessors felt political pressure to intentionally undervalue farmland to give Hmm. farmers a benefit of not having as onerous of a of a tax burden. Interesting. It's interesting. And so, you know, it may have been well intentioned, but it doesn't make it fair to the other taxpayers who have to shoulder the burden of someone else being undervalued. 
you know, we've talked before about how tricky things can be when there's valuation at stake. Do you have any examples or have you seen any cases where there is a really big gap between what the um, the assessor is saying and what the property owner is saying the value of the property is? Yes, that happens all the time. Um, so another potential pitfall in property taxes is that it's, it's hard to value property. Mm. You asked for an example, and I can think of a time when I was working um, as an assistant county attorney representing an assessor, uh, the the value at stake or the subject property at stake was a national headquarters, which the Twin Cities has tons of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe the assessment was at $70 million. And the property owner, their expert came in at $35 million. That's a little different. <laughs> right? So half. And then the county's expert came in at 140 million. Whoa. Wow. So we've got a half on one side and we've got double on the other side. Wow. So I think that's, this is fascinating because we always talk so much about the difficulty of valuing intangible property. And here you're giving us examples of just completely disparate assessments of tangible property. I think that's fascinating. Lisa lives in Texas. We both got our PhDs in Texas. Property taxes are very high in Texas. And so what you see a lot of times is people doing improvements to their home and not getting permits. Can you talk at all about the assessment process? And are there opportunities like that for avoiding an increase in your assessment? In Minnesota, and I don't know the way it is in Texas or in other states, but assessors have an obligation to reassess a property on a on a more specific basis every five years, you know, it would be totally inefficient and it would just be administratively impossible to appraise, you know, and I'm using that word very specifically to appraise versus assess Mm -hmm. property specifically every single year. Cause there's just, you know, billions of properties and you can't every year. So properties are generally entered into a system and grouped in either a property type, like maybe office building, maybe a mall, Mm -hmm. residential properties, and then also grouped in neighborhoods. And the system has some sort of magic algorithm, I'm sure, that Mm -hmm. um, raises or lowers the values based on market trends. Okay, Um, But every five years, an assessor is supposed to take a closer look at a specific property. um, And the idea would be to catch, if you will, um, any drastic changes to a property whether it was intentionally to avoid it or not. So you've told us much more uh, interesting things about property taxes than I ever knew. Um, Agreed. So yeah, this is this is great. Um, so just what do you what do you like about your job? What's the best thing about your job? So definitely the best thing about my job is being part of a process that ensures fair taxation for everyone. Mm. I mean, nobody loves paying taxes. But I think we can all feel good about paying taxes if we know it's fair. And I love that um, pie chart that you talked about. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that increases compliance or morale, taxpayer morale, we talk about a lot. And that if you know where your tax dollars are going, that might make people a little bit happier about that otherwise unpleasant process of paying taxes. Right. If you could change anything about your job, what would you change? You know, I think there is some misunderstanding about Um, the role of the assessment, the role of setting budgets and how the two interplay. So for example, I think there's a lot of people who think that assessors increase value for the purpose of increasing increasing the money that goes into state and local Mm -hmm. government. Mm -hmm. 
But assessors don't set the budget and they have no control over how much money is ultimately collected. So it's our elected officials and leaders that set the budget, Mm -hmm. um, which makes sense. And then once the budget is set, it's essentially spread out over the tax base or the properties that are taxable. I don't know that I appreciated this, but I think an implication of it is that if for whatever reason a jurisdiction decides to lower their budget for the year, you could have no change in assessed values, but actually a decrease in the assessment. Is that right? Yeah, right. That's exactly right. So I guess put another way, assessors, even if they increase your value or they um, overvalue your property, Mm. it's not to give government more money. It's because the budget has already set how much money needs to be raised. Yeah, I just want to say that I... Loved having you on. Thank you so much. And I think not only am I happy about all the things I learned about property tax, but I'm so happy to have someone who is in a tax career talk Mm -hmm. about it from an equity standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, property tax fairness and equity, we could do a whole nother episode on that too. I talked about how before property taxes can be a force for good. Mm -hmm. If you have good investment in schools, roads, it makes your property more valuable. And then, you know, conversely, the other, the other way can be true. If you have neighborhoods that aren't valued as highly, your school system might not be as well funded because you don't have that mm-hmm. income. Um, and then that, that neighborhood is going to lose value and it's going to lose the benefit that the property tax right. could, could help it. Thanks so much for joining us today. This has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Right. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Would you like to start us off since I tortured you a fair amount at the beginning of this episode? I'm so exhausted fighting that. I think you'd better start. Don't fight it then. Just give in. Again, I'm trying to do what's best for our listeners here. Not sure about that. All right. Well, I think it was pretty cool that a fan of the show reached out to us and asked if we'd be interested in having her as a guest. And she happens to be a badass tax court judge. Absolutely. Love that. Um, she did email. We This is proof. This is evidence that we do actually check our email account. And that we have listeners that are not related to us. All of all good things. So again, thank you, Judge Bowman, for helping us prove these things uh, to our listeners. But yes, it was amazing to talk to her. I think she had such interesting perspectives. And I think we were both really excited when she wanted to talk about property taxes, because if I think about it and tell me if I'm wrong, I think this is the first episode we have that's about non-income taxes. That sounds right. So I love that she's pushing us to branch out a little bit and think about something that is outside of what you and I deal with on a more regular basis. I agree. I also thought it was pretty awesome to find another fellow tax nerd and a tax nerd who obviously just loves her job. Yes, it takes it very seriously. And um, I really liked how she highlighted some of, you know, that she she feels like part of her job is making sure that taxpayers are treated fairly. I think that's a really important part of an effective tax system. And I like the fact that there is this appeals process in place that can give taxpayers some recourse when they feel like they maybe aren't being treated fairly by their taxing jurisdiction. Agreed. Something that jumped out to me is something she said about how higher property taxes could actually be a good thing. 
that there are certain areas or neighborhoods where, you know, people who can afford those higher taxes, they go there and they get more services in return. They get better schools and they get police that respond more quickly and things like that. I thought that was an interesting point as well. And whereas she definitely highlighted some positive elements of the property tax system, that it is convenient, that it is efficient, that Mm -hmm. it doesn't really lend itself to evasion. I think this is one of the negative aspects she highlighted, which is that it can lead to some equity issues. Because like you just said, it is only those families and those households that can afford to pay those higher property taxes who can be in the localities that get to reap the benefits of having those higher property taxes. So obviously the, the counterpoint to that is in areas where people are not able to pay those higher property tax assessments, there's going to be lower property tax collections and not as many services offered to the residents of that community. Yeah, that's a fair point. So while we're here in bad territory, thank you for bringing us there. It also struck me that only people or businesses that like have the means to appeal are going to be the ones to appeal. And those that don't, uh, they either need to be like my father-in-law, a retired attorney with too much time on his hands, or they're just out of luck. Totally. So again, this is is what we just talked about. It's kind of another, you know, the opposite side of the coin. It's great that taxpayers have the opportunity to appeal if they disagree, but that is going to require some resources. And like you said, that could make that appeals process confined to either higher wealth individuals or to uh, businesses. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I worked at P.F. Chang's, we spent a lot of our time appealing the assessments on our restaurants because we could. We had the, we were a large public company, we were Fortune 1000 company, we had the resources to do that. Some smaller businesses might not. Yeah. And and a particularly bad thing that I noticed this year, because our, our assessments jumped a whole bunch here in Austin, and so did the mailers that we got from all the mm-hmm. different companies selling their services to help us appeal. And some of those mailers made it seem like that was the only way you could appeal. Hiring, using their services. Yep. Okay. Paying somebody to represent you, which was, I, I thought it was very shady. Yeah. And I'm, I don't want to jump ahead and get into the ugly here, but it is kind of gross when tax, I'm going to put it in quotes, professionals take advantage of situations like this to try to, you know, yeah. squeeze cash um, from taxpayers who are looking for help. It's not really, it's not a good look. No, it is ugly. I totally agree. Um, I would say the other ugly aspect of this whole conversation is we tend to think of something like tangible property, something that you can look at, something that you can touch as being relatively easy to value. And it turns out that is not the case. Yeah, I think that part of the discussion really blew my mind. And we're not talking about Apple's IP or Facebook's IP. Mm -hmm. We're talking about real property where there's an active market. And to see that there can be that much discrepancy and disagreement about what the appropriate assessment is was really interesting to hear. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses.